0: Welcome back to
1: the Empowered Woman, Badass, and Unfiltered Podcast. Are you tired of arguing with your partner? Do you want to actually have a joyous relationship that you, like, look like you post online? You know, the one that you post where you're happy in your pictures, but you know you've been arguing the whole entire time? (laughs) You really want to have a, a happy relationship? Well, okay. I got Linda and Charlie Bloom here, and they've been doing this for a long time. They have been helping couples um, individuals as well all of my life more than all of my life actually since 1975 and they have a book that is that has just ra- launched and we're going to get into that and talk all about that they are, have al- also authored five other books all of their information is linked below um thank you linda and charlie for being here
0: well i'm delighted to be with you thanks for inviting us of
1: course So there's a lot of, I was given a lot of stats. um, And I talk about marriage from time to time. Uh, I've been married for seven years. And I find that arguments, while if you don't work on them, they they probably stay the same, they, they get worse, they get worse. So how do we make them better?
0: Well, it's a very important question that you're asking, and I wish everybody was asking that question of themselves, because people settle for less than is available, and there's a whole art and science to being a terrific communicator, particularly about the gnarly issues that have a lot of emotion connected to them, like when we get frightened and when we feel hurt and when we're worried that we're not going to get our needs met. And so we may have a lot of conversations about the same subject, but hopefully with an intention to learn and grow and understand each time the topic gets a little bit more manageable. And some of the really hot ones, money, how to raise the kids, sex, the in-laws, how to spend your leisure time. These are fraught with a lot of emotion because we're drawn to our compliments. They think differently than we do. They have a different history than we do. They have different life goals, sometimes different values. And so we need to have many conversations with a spirit of goodwill and with that intention to learn and understand. Not necessarily agree, but to learn and understand is a lot.
1: I like that. have a learn ha- have many conversations with the spirit of goodwill with the want to learn. um, you got to do that when you're happy. you know, like when y'all are not arguing. you can't <laughs> you're gonna have these conversations first. um one of the things I noticed in couples that are over fifty. Um, 39%, I believe that was the stat of them argue over tone and attitude. Mm -hmm. And I think that people focus so much on communicating, but they don't really know how to communicate. They don't, they communicate to be heard, not to really be, have the other party understand their point and truly understand what the other party means. So how, how do you address that?
2: I think that this is a a key factor in the whole question of at what point does a discussion become an argument and what is it that would trigger that um, activate that transition from a, a communication, a conversation, a discussion into the territory of arguing and fighting. Um, and, and uh, I think that point that you're making is really true. So many of us think that well, communication is about, you've got to really speak the correct words. Well, communication is much more than that. As a matter of fact, studies have shown that most of what people respond to in communication has less to do with, with the words themselves than it has to do with other factors like body language and tone and we re, what we're responding to is not just the literal words, and and that's why you know self-help books talk about well this is this is the things you should say and make I statements and not you statements and and all that's true that's good, but what they're not really speaking to is how is it that what is your intention in having this communication in this conversation? Are you clear about what it is that you want to have happen here? Do you want to? coerce this person into coming over and agreeing with you do you want them to do something do you want them do you want to manipulate them into a position or do you want to create a mutual understanding and it's at that level of intention that things like tone and nonverbal communication and how you interact with that person are really going to come into play what's your intent so many of us view the other person as an adversary and so as soon as you have that perspective, you know, you've got to get them over on your side. And when two people are doing that to each other, that's uh that's what you call an argument.
1: I find okay, I got married at 23. I'm going to just share personal stuff. And um I didn't I don't think that I started acting right until I was like 3 years in, you know. And even then, like in and that more so was Not so much thinking about myself, but thinking of us as a unit. And I know that that, that's a a shift that I had to make because it was very adversarial, because it was not um, a unit. And when you come together as one, you really do have to be a unit. Now, I do want to address a taboo topic that I feel like isn't talked about enough, but it's an increasingly changing problem um, with our society, with the legalization of a lot of many more drugs. So when you're dealing with somebody with substance abuse and you're trying, and and that's your partner. Now I'm sure you guys have dealt with this type of topic with all of your years um, of experience. How do you, um, deal with, or even somebody with PTSD or someone that has a bad temper How do you improve that type of relationship?
0: I'm really glad that you're asking this question. And I think that the two topics that you just brought up are related. We call it when we teach our workshops, the conversion from me-ish to we-ish. And it takes some people a while to stop being self-centered you know, single woman syndrome, single man syndrome, and realize I need to be making this other person's needs as important as my own. Not less important than my own, but not more important than my own. When you interface with another person and you commit to them, you bring your baggage and your problems, they bring theirs. And if they are willing to work on whatever baggage they bring, like alcohol addiction, you know, like drug addiction, like post-traumatic stress disorder from some traumas from their past. You've got a winning combination there because both of you roll up your sleeves and get to work. When it goes into the deal breaker category is when they're in denial about their drug addiction or their past that is Haunting them and wrecking the relationship. Mm-hmm. And if people are stubbornly refusing to face that they've got work to do, then it is appropriate to move back into the me-ish stance. Because if they don't want to play the we-ish game, then you would be sacrificing yourself too much to play a weish game then you become a codependent the sacrificing martyr and your own well-being and health and longevity will be compromised Mm -hmm. so you have to be really careful about where those lines and boundaries are yeah and that that right
1: there is very difficult Mm -hmm. Um, yes yeah it's so good to have boundaries but when it comes to actually implementing the boundaries, that's when the hard work comes. And it's very uncomfortable to implement boundaries, especially with your significant other, especially if you've been in this codependent relationship um, for some time. <clears throat> Let's say you're you're helping a couple in that type of situation. How do you um, address that?
2: Well, that's a really common phenomenon, and we run into that all the time. And it's not enough just to uh, understand that, oh, I need to draw the line here because this isn't working for me. Putting that, implementing that into your relationship is really challenging, and it's because it feels very, very risky. You know that every time you set a boundary, you're risking the relationship. It's a risk when you say uh, no, when you say, I'm sorry, but this does not work for me. When, when you say I can't agree to that, um, whenever you make it clear that you have the authority over, over your own experience in this relationship to set a standard that, that you need to uphold to uh, influence your own sense of integrity. And that's what boundary setting is. It's about living in integrity with who you are, not with about somebody else's uh, idea of how you should be. It's a risk. And and it's a risk that, you know, a, a lot of us are really afraid or unwilling to make if we don't feel secure in the relationship. And so if you don't feel secure in the relationship you'll lie. You'll pretend oh you'll go along with it, but uh underneath the surface you're you're not you're not okay, but you go along with it out of the fear that if I don't, you know, she or he is gonna leave. Mm-hmm. So safety is a huge part of any healthy relationship. And and how do we create safety? Well we don't Show up as an adversary to the other person. We don't try to control them or manipulate them. We just speak about here's my truth. Here's what I need. Here's what I want you to understand about my experience right now. We listen. You know, we do the things that we know we need to do, but yeah, you're right. It is hard, it is scary, it is risky. But the alternative is, you know, you might end up staying together, but what what kind of a relationship are you going to be in? You've set a precedent here. It basically tells them that they can get away with something.
1: Mm-hmm. Um this draws me into one of your questions. But before I get into one of your questions, I want to um address something. You have to know who you are. Yep. In order to really enforce your own boundaries and and have this identity. Um because you have to know who that person is as as, as an individual. Um and I know a lot of people have a problem a lot of not i i want to say it's just women either a lot of people are are in codependent relationships and they are they they started out one way and i'll see people do a lot of personal development in other areas of their life but they haven't addressed their relationships so their relationship might be as young mature maturity wise as it was when it first started um which brings me into your next question your next one of your suggested questions what do you mean when you say you shouldn't we shouldn't choose our battles
0: when this is a popular notion that you should choose your battles and there is some truth to it that we have to be careful not to squabble about every little thing we have to see how much we can let go of and which are the ones that are important that we need to take a stand about but why we shouldn't pick our battles is you're already in an adversarial frame of mind that you're going into battle instead of we're, we're discussing this topic, you know, for the purpose of understanding. And so shifting our attitude before we even bring the difficult subjects up so that we don't have a win-lose orientation. Because that's what leads to arguments so often is we see a zero-sum game. Either I'm going to win or I'm going to lose. And we're always working with the couples that we work with, with our readership for our books and with our students in our workshop to get out of the win-lose mentality. Because what's true is if if in a close relationship anybody is losing, the both of them lose. Mm-hmm. You can't have Mm -hmm. anything but win-win in a close relationship because even if you get your way about a certain thing, it erodes the foundation of trust. That safety and security that Charlie is talking about is diminished a little bit. The the feeling of well-being, the feeling of joyfulness in the relationship gets tarnished. And so, not having an adversarial kind of an attitude that we're going into battle, that we're choosing this issue to battle about, can be replaced with I'm taking a stand about this. I'm really wanting you to understand how important this is to me, whether it's a boundary or a need or some feeling that keeps getting activated that really needs to be addressed. And taking a stand is different than going into battle. So we offer that when you feel like you're battling to see if you can just shift your attitude towards one where I want to say what's really true for me. I want to be in integrity with myself. I don't want to sacrifice my truth, and I don't want to back away because I'm cowardly. I want to be a warrior woman. I want to be a badass. I want to take (laughs) a stand, but I want to do it respectfully. And then I want to listen to what's true for you. And I want you to take your stand. And then we're going to find some common ground where we can both win. Mm -hmm.
1: I, I've, many times I've said, you know, I'd rather collaborate than compromise. Um, and I think that that relates a lot to that whole ideology of more so looking for we, you know, losing, I don't think that you have to necessarily like lose yourself when you're married or when you have kids, but I do think that you have to, it's gaining a role to me. Like, I recently became a mother I gained the role of motherhood I didn't lose myself but the only reason I didn't lose myself is because I still kept doing the things that that filled me you know Mm. I have this child coming into my life like doing the things that I want to do and we do as a family like going on walks going out to eat like I'm not going to stop my life because this kid is here he's gotta he's gotta assimilate to life now I know a lot of people when they have children um that that's another big source of an argument on how to raise the kids how to reprimand the kids um how do you suggest looking at it as a team especially with blended families there's so many blended families now Mm -hmm. um can you speak to something on that Mm. area
2: Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough being a a parent when you have uh, a co-parent living with you. Uh, It's still, it's a big job. I mean, that saying that it takes a village, that's not just a metaphor, that's the truth. It does take more than a mother and a father to adequately bring up a child. Uh, Unfortunately, in, in our culture, you know where the nuclear family is kind of the way it's <clears throat> seen as the way it's supposed to be that um that's not doing so well that model is breaking down and and you know the divorce statistics um are really and and the uh statistics about uh children's mental health um they're all reflecting a real breakdown in in this system that we have so it's really important to recognize that it's not just about you and me and you know your psychology and my personality and uh, yeah those are factors but you've got to consider the cultural influence too on us and and how you know w- most families do not feel that they have adequate support and and even people who have you know enough money to buy the support they're not necessarily getting the quality of support that the family system Requires so. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm afraid I might have lost the gist of your question, mm-hmm. but it triggered th- this for me because I think we just don't appreciate what a huge, hugely important job it is that we have as parents. You know, to to set an example for our children because they're watching us from the moment they open their eyes as newborns they are watching us and they are doing something that all animals do they are imprinting on what they observe and you know so many people are so concerned about getting their kids into the right schools and having them get you know live in the right communities and you know oh sure that's great that's important stuff uh but the most important example you can set if you want your children to grow up to be happy healthy, and have healthy relationships, is to set an example of that. And in the process of trying to provide for all of these other material needs uh, that that we feel like we want to have our kids benefit from, uh, we're not holding a, a very high priority on the example of our relationship. We're allowing ourselves to have relationships that have deteriorated, where you know we don't set the example of being able to reconcile differences skillfully. Where you know we we don't show them what a happy set of parents can look like and feel like. What a secure home can feel like. So I, I just find it really ironic that you know we all love our kids and we all want the best for them, but one of the most important things we can give them is something that we're not paying adequate attention to, which is the quality of a, a relationship that they're viewing.
1: I absolutely agree with you. You know, that's my, my husband and I are coming up with, um, cause our, ba- we had our baby on Christmas. And so um, right now he's very much a potato and <laughs> he can't like, he'll, he'll see, he understands, you know, what a newborn will understand. But as far we're we're trying to establish what our core values are as a family what um you know the things we tolerate the things we don't tolerate and you know truly having unity we understand that we're raising a a human to go out into this world and hopefully do good things and he is not ours to keep forever he he is our responsibility to just put as much as we can into um and showing a healthy relationship is very important um some notes that I took while while listening to you, um, it's so important to know when and how to ask for help, the type of help that you need, especially in the, in the communities, because it does take a village. Um, I've made the decision, we, we made a decision recently that we will have our son in private school. And my mother is very, very good at looking for scholarships. So I said, that's going to be her job. She... <laughs> I told my my mother-in-law uh, I was like I'm gonna find a job for you too because it takes a village because but <laughs> knowing what type of help you need um throughout each and every stage I think is very important and having that reflective time to to be honest about that um setting up an example of a healthy relationship should be one of your top priorities when having a child um so thank you for saying that, you know, you're, you're not only teaching them how to operate, you're teaching them problem solving skills when you argue, you know, mm-hmm. how do we solve these problems? Crisis management. Cause guess what? Something's going to happen in them 18 years of life. <laughs> like <laughs> there's going to be something. That's right.
2: <laughs> Guaranteed.
1: So having them have critical thinking skills, yep. implementing, showing them that not just, I'm such a one of the things, and people can hate me for this, but I think that we don't tell people when they're being bad parents early enough mm-hmm. to make a difference. No one's perfect, and that's not what I'm. Ex- I- I'm trying to say. Say, but there are things that are clearly not good
0: for society.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I believe that those really crucial conversations can happen more when the couple makes an agreement that if they are making unskillful choices, unwise choices, setting a poor example, being too indulgent or being too strict, do you know, or fighting too much in front of the kids or not letting them see the differences at all, that's all behind closed doors, scares kids because it's the unspeakable, but they feel the tension, that the couple needs to make an agreement with each other that they are going to be honest with each other about what they observe and give respectful feedback, not accusatory, not you're bad, you're wrong, not what the hell's the matter with you, but say, I would like to share from my experience, this is not feeling good for me, you know, when you're too strict or you're too lenient or when you too loud and cussing in front of the kids or when you refuse to talk about things and you're dodging the issues that need to be discussed. And if you have that agreement in place and the person is not so readily available, you can say, remember, we put this agreement in place that we wanted to be the best parents that we could be. And I have some things that I want to bring to your attention. I hope that you'll hear me out and I would want you to do the exact same thing with me. I trust that you will try to frame it in a way that is respectful and that you'll talk about your own experience from your feelings and what you need from me, not from your thoughts, which are full of opinions and often critical. And when they have that kind of an agreement, some really difficult conversations become doable. And I, I always encourage people to put that foundation in place, that there aren't any taboo subjects and one of the hairiest ones is about bringing up the kids because you know our hearts so involved in it we we want to feel like we're the best parent that we can possibly be and we're so sensitive if we think anybody's critical of the way we're parenting our children
1: that is so true that is and i i i love that you addressed that too um it's so important that we hold each other accountable as partners for the benefit it, and it's so much raising children is so much more important than us it's we got to let let go of a lot of ego stuff mm-hmm. um so thank you so much for sharing that um i want to ask another question that um is on your list can you walk us through the eight steps of finishing unfinished business
2: mm. <laughs> Well, the first step is probably seems pretty obvious to most people, but that is to um, recognize and acknowledge to yourself and to your partner with whom the unfinished business exists. Uh, um, the, we've got a problem here. <laughs> we, yeah, we. That's the that's the important word, not you. Um, so uh, you know the, the the four words that strike the greatest terror in the heart of any man is when a woman starts a conversation with the words we need to talk <laughs> 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 if you really want to scare the hell out of your partner start the conversation with that <laughs> um so the yeah that's the first thing is is to recognize yeah we do have a problem here and um it's not and, and then to try to frame it not in terms of her problem or his problem but our problem uh we want to get and this is the thing that we keep emphasizing with with people that we work with we want to move from a a a combative um kind of adversarial relationship where we the other person shows up to us as an enemy to um a perspective where you know we want to both get on the same page can we find an intention a goal that we can both agree with what do we want to have happen here you know, maybe I don't agree with the way you're doing it. Maybe you don't think that the way I'm doing it is the right one. Okay. But what is it that we're both, what's the page we can both get on? What is it that ultimately, you know, we want to have happen here in our situation, in our relationship, in our family? You know, it's like you said um, earlier that you you and your husband had a conversation and and you talked about, you know, what, what were your values, your goals, your hopes, and, and we want to, we want to get back to that. Um, and, and, and so unfinished business really is about conversations that needed to have taken place, but they weren't, they didn't happen because, you know, generally the, the reason is because one or both of us was too afraid to bring it up because it might, you know, things could get even worse, better let sleeping dogs lie, you know, uh, we've tried to do this before and you know, the harder we try to fix it it you know the more downhill it goes you know we feel that sense of futility why why even bother um so we we've got to be willing to reopen the conversation that was unfinished um and i think one of the things that helps us to, to do that to overcome our resistance to doing it is the recognition that this is not going to go away it's not gonna get better and it's an all likelihood gonna get worse. That, you know, there are some things that you can let them go and it's not gonna be a problem. But with unfinished business, where we both know that there's things that we need to address and we didn't do it, that is only going to deteriorate and go downhill further. So when you realize that, it makes it a little bit easier, it doesn't make it easy, but it makes it easier to uh consider uh addressing this again if we're unable to to do this without activating each other um then it may be time to call in a third party we we always like to encourage people we give people tools and things that they can do that that might help them to to do this work on their own but, you know, there are times when we just need some help from the outside. We get stuck sometimes and, and in those places where we can't finish the unfinished business because our efforts just keep going round and round in, in circles. At that point, it is not a sign of weakness or stupidity to get help. It's a sign of intelligence that you know that you need to call in the cavalry here.
0: And I wanna add one of the important steps is that we make a distinction between getting complete and fully resolved. Because some people feel kind of defeated and hopeless and what's the point of talking about this anyway? But if you have a conversation with the spirit of goodwill and you're learning and understanding, do you see that each conversation you can make a little progress? The energy is a little less heavy and a little lighter but not to have the expectation that it's gonna be once and for all. When we teach our classes, sometimes Charlie says, that's like expecting to eat once and for all. We have to do it over time. And you nibble away at the issue a little at a time Mm -hmm. and congratulate yourself and each other for making a little progress towards understanding and cooperation. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Um, I'm taking so many notes. Thank you. Thank you. This was so needed. I'm I'm receiving some mindset shifts that the people need to make overall from everything that we said um that you you shared with us um today. And one of them is having a spirit of we over me. Yep. Um the other is just having a growth mindset and you know what that is but if you're a listener and you're not sure what a growth mindset it is it's it's not having a limited mindset it's not thinking it's not necessarily just positive thinking it's more so how can i make this better how can we do this better next time type of mindset you can look it up on google i've got more more in this list so <laughs> um the other one is um acknowledging that nothing changes if nothing changes in fact it just gets worse so if we keep leaving this unfinished business unfinished, it will just like like money, you know. If you if you don't pay your bills, uh, it just gets worse. If you don't call the big bill collectors, they don't go away. Yeah. Um, uh, you might want to wait seven years for it to fall off your credit score, but it's you gotta face the things that you're avoiding, um, personally and in your relationships uh, ask for help and don't allow pride to stop you from getting that help. And, um, you know, that that's why there's people like you out here with decades of experience to really help people walk through these problems. I know a lot of times when people are married, they feel like they're so alone. They feel like they're, this is their own problem. They're isolating themselves, especially not talking about it. I, I, I know someone that refused to get help in their marriage because they refused to go to the church counselor because they didn't want them knowing their business. I'm sorry, but you're hurting yourself so much more. And Now they're no longer together. Um, And most importantly, give it time Um, because it's not going to happen overnight. And I like the reference of, you know, you're not going to eat once and for all. <laughs> it is something that's going to happen over time. So thank you all so much um, for joining me here today. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading and end uh to arguing 101 Valuable Lessons for All Relationships. Uh, And the links to purchase the book are in the show notes below. And the links to connect with Linda and Charlie Bloom are also there as well. Thank you both so much for being here today. Mm.
0: It was a pleasure to be with you. It was a joy to be with you. And thank you for the wonderful questions.
2: Mm. Thanks for inviting us.
0: Absolutely.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Empowered Woman, Badass unfiltered podcast if you found any value in this please consider sharing and subscribing now go out and be a badass
0: what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving